G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Damon Heppel is the founding director of Mountains and Marathons, which is a leadership company that guides mission-driven entrepreneurs, executives, and leaders to have inner peace and own their birthright as creators. The Align Leadership Program is their flagship six-month program. Align combines transformational leadership coaching, fitness coaching, and nutrition coaching, and graduates with an international retreat where you run a marathon or climb a mountain. Hence the company name, Mountains and Marathons. Jamin is an absolute genuine human soul, and I don't say that lightly. He has an abundance of knowledge and wisdom around human behavior, and I'm grateful to also call him a great mate. He was on the podcast way back on episode number 67 in May 2018, and this was before he'd even done the first ever retreat for Mountains and Marathons. And now... As a company, they're absolutely killing it, and they were recognized as one of the top leadership experts to look out for in 2021, and when I say they, I'm referring to Jamin and his business partner, Jen. This episode is actually taken from a live Zoom call where Jamin was a special guest for my mastermind group. So this mastermind is a 12-month program called High Performing and Healthy Business Owners and Leaders. It's for men only. And it's only open to men who I've coached online in one-on-one capacity. So my eight-week program one-on-one or they've done one of my breakthrough programs online. The mastermind is limited to 10 men. So each of them gets more time with me throughout the year and more time with the special guests that come on each month like Jamin that you're about to hear from. So in the mastermind, we have one-on-one sessions together. We set business, health, and personal goals and work as a tight inner circle to ensure that the guys not only achieve their goals and visions, but they far exceed them without the stress and burnout. We also have monthly group coaching calls with me and bonus special guests uh, throughout the year who are experts in different areas and come on to coach the men in their personal and professional lives to excel in every area. So this live call with Jamin was almost two hours long and I've left most of the sections in there but I've deleted some of what I call the hot seat sections which is when the men are asking questions and then being coached personally by Jamin or I. I've deleted these sections because this is the confidential part for the members. These genuine men really engaged and we had some very vulnerable and empowering discussions that led to some great breakthroughs for the guys. Some really massive ones actually. So when you hear this sound, that means that one of the guys has just shared something. So this episode is a bit different to what I usually do, and it might sound slightly disjointed a couple of times in here because of the the deleted sections, but trust me, you will still get a lot of value from all the parts that I've kept in there, which is most of it. So if you're a business owner or leader and you're interested in joining any of my coaching programs, including the one-on-one option, the breakthrough program or mastermind, please reach out directly to me on the email info at brettrobbo.com 
or check out more information on the website, brettrobbo.com. In this episode, we discuss mindsets and strategies to be a high-performing and healthy business owner and leader, empowering ways to make decisions and how to know if it's a hell yeah or a no, what conscious uncoupling is and how Jamin has navigated this. We talk about the Kilimanjaro Supporters Challenge, which you can also get involved with to help raise funds for KPAP, which is the Kilimanjaro Porters Assistant Program. We talk about the power of the collective and having your supportive inner circle to thrive in your personal and professional life, overcoming the loneliness of leadership, identifying your zone of genius and designing your work life so you can outsource the distractions and only focus on your zone of genius, plus some great insights into and inspiration from Jamin's adventurous life. If you enjoy this episode and any of the awesome guests we have on the show, I'd be super grateful if you could share it and also jump onto iTunes or Apple Podcast and give it a five-star rating and review. This helps pump it out to more people and gives it a better recognition so we can keep getting impactful guests on here for you to continually gain value from. Okay, now let's hear from the legend himself, Jamin Heppel. First of all... An official welcome and g'day to to all of you guys, and uh, it brings me like immense pride and gratitude to be able to have Jamin as a part of this program for you guys to learn from. I was just saying before that I'm extremely grateful for technology. Uh, the only person in this group that I've ever actually met in person is you, Nath, and everyone else. I feel like we've known each other for a long time, and especially Jamin, we've connected like this on Zoom for random calls and podcasts over the years we've both been in different parts of the world every time and feel like we're good mates and um, on top of that he's also a sensational leader uh, and can bring a lot of leadership and business insights for us so extremely grateful to, to have you with us because my goal with this mastermind is I've said to to these guys Jamin that they've all shared um, goals and visions to achieve by the end of 2022 and my goal is that we are together, depending on where we are in the world. It could be like this, it could be somewhere, but we're discussing it, looking back on their goals and visions. And they're saying, I can't believe that I set my goals so low. I can't believe that I smashed my goals and visions in this way. So it, that's why to have someone like you come in and uh, share your value for today and beyond, um, it's, it brings a lot of energy and a lot of wealth of wisdom, which is what we're all about into this group. So officially, mate, welcome and thank you. Beautiful. Um, thanks, Robbo. Super excited to be here. You know, I think as soon as you extended the invitation, it was immediately like in my body. It was just like a hell yes. And so uh, then it was just a matter of making the pragmatics work and come to life. And, um, you know, already just inside the, um, the energy of this, of this container, um, I can feel, Robo, just the nature of the people that you attract into your world, um, that we're going to be having a really dynamic conversation today. And I can already feel the level of willingness to share and contribute and um, acknowledge and challenge. There's um, there's just a really good flavor of growth here already. So I'm excited to be here and be whatever contribution I can be. Love it. And on that, like what Jamin was just saying, so the the format for tonight is that uh, I'll be chatting with Jamin and picking his brains a lot of about you know, him as a person, him as a leader, a lot of the work that he does with other business owners and business leaders. So you guys can get a lot of value from all of this. But let's pretend, not pretend, let's um, 
let's sink into the feeling that we're all sitting around the lunch table on the Gold Coast, having a beer and a chat at this level or um, in Sweden around the campfire or in Tanzania with, with Jamin at the bottom of a mountain or something like that. In, and I say that in regards to I want you guys to feel like a part of the conversation and jump in with questions or anything at any time with that. So, and, you know, Jamin and I might involve you guys too. If we, if we see the, like a question to throw to you individually or as a group, it's, it's very informal in that way. I just want to bring the most value into to this chat for you guys. And then what we're going to do, we're going to bring Adrian into the hot seat and he's going to present Jamin with some questions. And I've already shared a lot about uh, Adrian and those questions with Jamin. And then we'll do the same with uh, Nate as well after that. And throughout that, if you guys need to, to go, if you need to get up and go to the dunny, if you've got to attend to grandchildren or children or anything like that, please, you know, you can just, you know, mute yourself and do what you need to do. And we're just here out of respect as well for, for everyone else in the group. So we'll stay as connected as we can, but also knowing that um, I don't want you to pee your pants or for the kids to, to go hungry or be running a, a market without you there. So with all that in mind, just remember, jump in anytime. You can unmute yourself and, and just say whatever at any stage. But Jamin, I'm going to start before I ask you about your latest adventure and, and where you're at at the moment. You just said something then that when I reached out to you about this, you felt it in your body and it was a hell yeah straight away. What, how do you, what does that mean to you and how, do you, how are you so in tune with yourself to know that from that feeling and that hell yeah. Um, it's a great question, Robbo. And, you know, had you asked me 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had been able to articulate what I'm about to say. Um, Cause in a lot, a lot of the work that I do, particularly with men is around um, learning, uh, learning and cultivating their relationship with their emotional body. And, um, you know, for me growing up in the small country town that I did, I had a father who was very athletic, very masculine in his traditional way of, um, of operating, not particularly emotionally attuned. And that was actually why we clashed because as a young dude, I was, I was always rather sensitive, but not necessarily, um, had the maturity or emotional regulation. And, um, therefore I always had a really close relationship with mum because she was far more, um, I guess, emotionally attuned now. So when I talk about, I felt it in my body, um, the, I think the easiest distinction that I can, um, share with you around what that actually means is when I feel into something, does it feel expansive or does it feel constricting? And if what, what, I'm, what I'm learning as I continue to step more and more into my fullness, uh, both as a, as a leader and just as being the best human being that I can be, is the pattern I'm observing is the more that I choose yes to things that feel expansive and feel expansive in my, in my body, like it's, it's an emotional thing, um, and I say yes to that, I just trust that that is the right next step to take versus if something feels constricting, I know that that's something it's either, either there's, there's something I need to look at there because there's resistance that needs to be moved through, or it's actually just a no. And I found that to be a really useful um, uh, litmus test or tool to make decisions to support the uh, progression of my future, both in a business sense and in a personal sense, be that, uh, I mean, I'm sure you can even relate to just the nature of the energy of certain people that you meet, like they can, there's, a, there's an expansive feeling about them. When I get that feeling, I'm like, I want to spend more time with you. Like that's an energy that empowers more of me to step forwards versus there, there, there are those that can have like a constricting energy in which I'll like choose to, you know, um, 
reduce the amount of time or energy that I'd be contributing to those kind of individuals. So I hope that creates a little bit of context and answers your question, Robert. Yeah, absolutely. And I see a few nods of the head with the guys. One of the things that we did in the breakthrough program uh, was talking about our, our heart space and, you know, operating from that and tapping into intuition. And one of the things that I'm really uh, grateful for is that ability and that um, trust in when I get out of my busy mind. So the guys know this jar analogy. This is a busy mind <laughs> and emotions. When I can drop out of that to make a decision, I always know that it's the right decision because when I'm sinking into, when I get too caught up in thinking, 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 then I'm, I'm actually confused whether I've made the right choice or not. So it, it connects with that. And hearing you talk about dynamics of per people as well and who we meet, I think we yeah. all can relate to having stepped into an environment, whether it's on the mountain, like what you were just speaking with, with the group you're with, or whether it's in a work sense with colleagues or even, you know, friends or friends of friends, when you get around them, you can, you can sense that energy from people. So that's, that's really awesome to hear. And, uh, talking about feeling in the body, let's go back a step now then and talk about how are you feeling in the body and the mind right now? Tell us a little bit about your most recent adventures and where you are in the world right now. Cool. Uh, so guys, I'm in a little town called Moshi in Tanzania at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro. If I feel into my body right now, um, exhaustion is the primary um, experience. I, uh, I actually, um, so three, four days ago, I, I summited Mount Kilimanjaro for the sixth time in my life, um, but the first time back to back. So uh, two weeks ago with my company, Mountains and Marathons, for those of you that aren't aware, we run six-month transformational leadership development programs that have our members graduate by running a marathon or climbing a mountain in different locations around the world. And one of our most popular ones is Mount Kilimanjaro. So two weeks ago, we graduated a program um, on Kili with seven members predominantly coming in from the USA. And, uh, you know, I, I love this mountain. I, um, I just love what it calls for when people step onto this mountain. I love how leadership and leadership distinction must be applied in order for success to happen. Um, but what actually happened when I was on this mountain was I met on day one, uh, I met, uh, uh, just happened to bump into a woman named Christina Madsen, who holds the world record for the fastest ascent from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain as a female. And she did that two years ago, and she was actually doing an acclimatization trek in preparation for an event happening last week on the mountain, which is the world's highest ever obstacle course race, which is facilitated in the crater of Mount Kilimanjaro, which has never been done before. And when she was telling me about it, and as we connected across the coming days, um, something in my body started to feel like, that sounds fucking cool. That sounds really cool. And so anyway... Um, Day, uh, the day after our retreat finished, uh, my business partner, Jen and I, um, Jen is also, she's my business partner. She's also my ex-romantic partner. Um, we were hanging out in a cafe and Christina walked in and she said, oh, Jamin, I'm here with a few other members of the program, um, the, of, the, of the competition that I'm doing. Do you want, to, um, you want to come and meet them? So I came across and immediately, as soon as I got to the table and shook hands with each of these people, um, you know, one of them is like, oh, yeah, I've climbed Everest, I've Mount Everest twice. And other guys like, oh, yeah, I'm a philanthropist and I just do this for fun because I get to get connected to interesting people. And I'm like, whoa, this is a really cool, interesting community of people. I'm like, let's multiply this by eight because I knew that there were 40 people coming together. Um, I'm like, this would be dope, really, really cool to be a part of. Um, and so then uh, Luke, one of the guys there, he goes, dude, do you want to do this? 
And I said, Lan, listen, man, I've got a week. Um, I've got a, I've, I've got sales calls. I've got all these coaching calls. I'm not going to be able to do it, but thank you so much. And then when I walked away and I went to Jen, Jen said, what just happened? And I said, they've invited me to be a part of the world's highest obstacle course race ever in the world. Um, and in, I'm going to be in the Guinness world records. And I was like, she's like, do you want to do it? And I was like, I would, fucking love to do it again we talk about like feeling in the body like logically it did not make sense but in the body it was like an absolute hell yes and i just knew that there was something inside of that that was there to be listened to um and so then jen said listen if we want to make if you really want to do this let's make it possible so within 10 minutes i was on the call with the company owner and um he was taking my credit card details to sign me up for the world's highest ever obstacle course race of which <laughs> um i successfully completed i had nine out of ten obstacles inside the crater of kilimanjaro um well uh, about 50 percent of the members there were of the participants were like ex-military from the uk or from the u.s and um admittedly some of them really really struggled one guy was so legless he had to get carried down the mountain um and uh yeah it just became one of the most extraordinary um adventures of my life and a real test of my physical capabilities i've sort of been in the world of ultra marathon running for the last couple of years and um this one was right up there as one of the most extraordinary challenges i've ever taken on combined with um, the cultivation of an extraordinary connect, uh, connection of networks um, of, of interesting leaders and fitness buffs from around the world. So if you can hear it in my voice, I'm a little raspy. Um, the mountain <laughs> does have a way of sapping, sapping energy, specifically if you do it back to the back, I'm discovering. Um, but right now that's kind of what's present in my body. And yet at the same time, um, there is an enormous enthusiasm and excitement as uh, I've just moved to Tanzania. I'm going to be here for the next three months in service to a fundraiser where um, I'm looking to raise money for an incredible charity here to support the porters of Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, so yeah, just discovering what it is to live in Tanzania and navigate some of the cultural nuances that exist here relative to some other parts of the world where, I, where I've been. I love it. I want to ask a little bit more about that charity because we were talking about it off air and it'll be really um, good for these guys to hear about it. Before I do, just a couple of things um, coming from a sporting background and I'm thinking, how long was the, you said there was 10 obstacles. How long was the course? How long did it take? Uh, cool. So um, just a quick show of hands. Does anyone climb Mount Kilimanjaro here? Anyone? Okay, got it. Um, anyone been in altitude like above 5,000 metres? Not on an aeroplane. Okay, got it. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Altitude has an impact. So altitude is all basically it reduce, increases air pressure, reduces oxygen levels. And the impact of that is then the body's got less oxygen to work with. So um, the course itself was 100 meters. That's all. But after every obstacle, we had to have a three-minute um, medical check where a doc will come in, check your oxygen levels, and then just for safety to make sure you're not going to um, pass out, clear you for the next obstacle. So a hundred meters, 10 obstacles, a hundred meters, it actually took about 40 minutes <laughs> because there was so much safety um, integrated. So um, to, to kind of like speak into it, it certainly wasn't this energy of like, let's go and get after it. It was kind of like, it was almost like a gymnastics performance where you would just focus very clearly on one exercise rest and then go and do your next set, which would then be a different, um, a different thing. So um, army core, army crawls, balance beam, A-frame cargo net, um, sandbag carry, monkey bars. Uh, there's a couple uh, Tarzan swing, high wall, low wall, and then there was a couple of others. And the final one, which is the one that I didn't do, was the four meter ninja warrior wall. 
um, which I uh, unfortunately didn't have time to get so many, get any technique to get up there. So instead I smacked into the side of the wall and, and then, um, and then slid down. <laughs> You've been doing too many of the ultra marathons and you don't have your, uh, your sprinter yeah. legs. On no there. fast twitch, no fast twitch fibers. I'm all, I'm all slow. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was the world record again, before we move into the other aspects, it was the, Cool. So the, 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 the most, the most significant one was, it was the world's highest ever obstacle course race. So okay. there's, yep. there's never been a, there's never been a, um, an obstacle course race held that in that elevation before. Um, and then there was a tokenistic second one, which was the world's highest fitness class, um, which frankly was, it was a lot of shit, but it was just like 40 guys or 40, 40 of us all doing the same exercises at the same time as part of a warm up for the yeah. obstacle course. So um, they managed to t- tuck another one in there as well. I think the analogy that you were using there of that do the obstacle rest and recover go again is a good analogy that we'll talk about with the guys throughout the the breakthrough program and what we move forward on with is a lot about um you know in a business sense and a life sense especially in business where it's go 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 a lot of the time and we don't take that rest and recovery to be able to then be at our best and push again and so those high levels of stress and burnout that it can accumulate and that kind of ties in too with what you were talking about before with the expansion and contraction aspect, um, you know, look, looking at life, looking at business, looking at approach to certain things in that way. Yeah, bingo. And I think just even speaking into that um, expansive or contracting feeling like that was exactly what was going on for me. And I just trusted uh, in that moment when I had that invitation, I just trusted so much that it was the right, like the right thing to do, even though logically it didn't seem to make all that much sense. Um, and so naturally here I am on the other side of that going, that was one of the most extraordinary things I've ever done. Networks expanded. Now these are things that I could have predicted, but nonetheless, it was this sense of, um, it was this sense of kind of trust and inner knowingness mm. that had me say yes in the first place, which now puts me in this, um, yeah, in just a, in, in a position where I'm sitting here having, again, that distinction validated uh, and just very excited about the future. Now, I think you were going to ask me about the charity, but was there anything more you wanted to share about um, I just want to touch on adventures? And again, um, just what you said then, that feeling into, and so guys, what when we talk about hindsight and a lot of, you know, I, I bring up a lot of the should have, could have, would have, and that's language of we're stuck in the past. And we, you know, in hindsight, I should have, in, you know, I could have, I would have, having this attachment to self and that feeling and that adaptability to be able to know that it's a hell yeah, logically business-wise, it didn't make sense. From here, you said it was a hell yeah. So you went with that and now you're on the other side of that. And as opposed to, you were still committed to this call. Otherwise you could have been telling us, oh, and I, I, I knew I should have gone with it. Like I should have, I had this opportunity. I could have, I would have. But acting from that space, often allows you to make a decision that leads you to in the right in the trajectory that you desire as opposed to this <laughs> bingo and i think robert just another thing that i'd like to speak into around that is like the example that i just gave then is very spontaneous like that's probably the most spontaneous thing that i've ever done and i don't normally 
I wouldn't say I normally lead life like that, but it was just applying this distinction of does it feel expansive or does it feel contractive to a very specific moment. Now, if I was to translate this to another point in time, which was something that was very much an emotional, emotional and logical oriented decision was when I was with my ex-romantic partner and current business partner, Jen, um, we were together for two and a half years and about two years into our business and our relationship, because they started at the same time, um, I came to the place of recognizing when I felt into the future of the relationship romantically, that felt very constricted. When I felt into the future of the business, that felt enormously expansive. Mm. Now, in that place, I was in an enormous place of scarcity because my, my, my association with Jen and, and our romantic relationship and the future of our business being one and the same and the lifestyle that I was leading because of the business founded upon the relationship was something really challenging for me to navigate. Yet, when I, any time I felt into the future, I wished it for, I wished I wished that the future with Jen, I wished it felt expansive, but it just didn't. <laughs> and so that was a truth that I denied for a very long time until fortunately um, 12 months later, uh, Jen actually got herself a spiritual coach who supported her to determine that she actually desired and deserved more in relationship. And so then Jen ultimately came to me and we were able to move through a really gracious um, conscious uncoupling process a bit over 12 months ago. Um, but I knew in my body for a very long time that Jen wasn't the one I was meant to be with romantically. And so that wasn't a spontaneous thing, but nonetheless, the principle of does it feel expansive or contracted in my body was, was, was directly applied there as it is to um, the example that I gave of the spontaneous choice to climb Mount Kilimanjaro for a second time last week. Can you just explain briefly what a conscious uncoupling is? Uh, sure. Um, if we look at, if we look at, um, I guess, a can, uh, if you look at a traditional um, occurring of breakups or separations in, in relationships, um, generally there's like a victim and a perpetrator. And so a victim is obviously the person who's been broken up with and the perpetrator is the one causing the pain in the other person to call it to, to, because of the breakdown. Now, a conscious uncoupling is one in which both parties, um, even though the initiation of a separation may be, um, brought forward by one party, it's actually um, when both parties come to the place of a mutual acceptance that we are separating and then choosing to go through a, um, a conscientious process of like, how do we graciously navigate our separation so it can actually look a way that is, um, let's say, non not typical. And so in the context of me and Jen, um, after we acknowledged that we would be separating, we took four days space, we came back together, we shared about where we're at. And I said, listen, Jen, um, I have a vision that we can be best friends and business partners. Um, and uh, I would love for us to facilitate the most inspiring relationship breakup the world has ever seen. And then I just created that possibility. Uh, Jen said, Jamin, I've been thinking exactly the same thing. And so then the two of us with our leadership and coaching experience were able to then um, design a four-week transition process for our romantic relationship to then emerge into the next stage, uh, the, the next evolution of our relationship, which is kind of what we're living into now. <laughs> She's in Oaxaca in Mexico. Uh, she was here two weeks ago. We just facilitated our graduation retreat. We still run the business together, um, but we're able to operate um, fairly, have fairly independent lives and yet work very closely with one another in the um, growth and development of the business. Credit to you, mate, because 
I wish I knew, I wish I had the intuition, I wish I had the maturity and the emotional intelligence through some of my previous relationships because hearing you talk about that, I definitely felt that contraction in previous relationships, but I didn't have the the emotional intelligence and the the knowledge and the awareness how to navigate it through a conscious uncoupling and uh, it would have been a beautiful thing and a very respectful thing for me to have, to have done that through relationships. And I've heard you talk about it before. And obviously I met you and Jen at the same time. And I know you guys as the couple through the unconscious uncoupling, sorry, through the conscious uncoupling and for you guys still thriving as best mates and business partners now. And I think it's really awesome for you guys to hear that because we can take that concept into, um, into business as well. And into friendships, it doesn't have to be a loving relationship, but into business and, you know, saying no to clients that you might've been working with that are actually draining you and different mm-hmm. aspects in that way. Bingo. And Robert, have you um, spoken with these guys at all about the rites of passage or is that a separate, um, is that a separate, separate conversation little, at this stage? We've, we've touched on it a little bit and the guys have actually been through it. So they're doing the breakthrough oh. program and we had our acknowledgement ceremony without speaking too much of the actual frameworks of what the rites of passage is, but it obviously worked well because the guys have chosen to, to move forward into <laughs> the next framework of the mastermind too. Cool. Nice. Well, that was also the, that was the framework that Jen and I used as we facilitated the, the conscious uncoupling was literally going through a, a rite of passage um, process over that four week period. Brilliant. That's awesome. So, Jamin, let's. I want to talk about the charity now, and then we're going to dive into the the leadership aspects of and really understanding um, some some of your philosophies to help us all there. And the reason I want to dive into the charity will become clear within a couple of minutes. Tell us about the charity, the reason why you've decided to stay living in Tanzania, what the charity is about, and what you're supporting. Yeah, nice. So, guys, back in um, so Mountains and Marathons has been running leadership development graduations in Mount Kilimanjaro for the last three years. And back in 2018, 2019, I mean, the mountain has been absolutely thriving with tourism and, and, and um, employment for local people. And, and it really does bring an enormous um, amount of economic benefit and um, employment opportunities for local people here, as well as obviously supporting people to tick off epic bucket list um, items such as climbing Kili. And back in March this year, when we facilitated a, a graduation retreat, I, I noticed there's only about 10% of usual activity on the mountain. And naturally that's because of the pandemic. And so what I actually found out after that was that um, when the pandemic hit back in March, 2020, uh, business activity, typical business activity on the mountain reduced down to 99, reduced by 99%. And so, and it's been a really, really, really slow buildup um, here in Tanzania. And so when you've got, you know, when you've got about 7,000 porters who are dependent on activity on the mountain to be funding their livelihoods and supporting their wives and their children to go to school uh, and you take away, they're pretty much their only income source because most of these guys are only primary school educated. Um, it's when I, when I met with a handful of them in March, I found out that our program was for some of them the first time they'd made any money in 12 months. And I was like, what does life look like? And mm. truly like they're, they're, they've, in a way they've had to really band together as a community and support one another. Um, and, you know, a lot of guys have moved back to farming and these kinds of more conventional ways of making money. But I was just so, um, 
I was just so moved by what was going on over here in March that I was like, man, I've got to do something. And I had the same experience when I was in Bali last year. I actually escaped Australia four days before the national lockdown and was in Bali last year. And naturally, Bali, another country that's dependent on tourism. And so, again, 90% of tourists left. Therefore, the economy went to shit. And so local people really started to suffer and struggle. So last year, I did a fundraiser running from Levina to Seminyak, a 90-kilometer ultra across the island. Um, and within three weeks, raised 10 grand for uh, the Bali Children's Foundation, who are doing incredible work over there. And so with that kind of history, when I was on the mountain and recognized the impact that had been had in Tanzania, uh, I thought, I've got to do something. So to round out the last uh, six months since, uh, since I made that decision, I've since partnered with an incredible charity called the Kilimanjaro Porters Assistance Project. The acronym is KPAP. And KPAP, they, they do two things. The first, first and foremost, they ensure that porters are treated ethically on the mountain. And what that means is, is they're paid adequately, that they don't carry more weight than they're supposed to, that they're fed well, and that they have appropriate gear to be in the kinds of climates that Kilimanjaro brings to, uh, brings to humans. Um, and then the second part is, which is where I was really inspired, is how they actually responded to the COVID pandemic. Because naturally, no porters on the mountain. What does the Kilimanjaro Porters Assistance Project actually do? So what they've done is they've designed a series of three really powerful workshops. One is around um, diversifying income streams. So an educational workshop to support porters to think more laterally about how else they can make money. The second thing is around financial management strategies to support porters who actually make money, how to actually use it wisely. And the third one is actually supporting to improve their ability to uh, raise better crops and raise more crops so their farming practices become more uh, more effective and more, more efficient. And so these are the three workshops that have been rolled out over the last six months. And so I'm looking to raise $50,000 US for the Kilimanjaro Porters Assistance Project to both continue their work on the mountain as well as rolling out these workshops, which from my perspective, this kind of education is going to benefit not just people in the immediate future, but it's going to support them for the much bigger picture as well. Um, and so how I'm going to do that is, um, is I'm going to be, I'm going to be a porter on the mountain for seven days um, oh, and do them and do the Machame route. So I'm going to carry, if you've never seen it, these guys are remarkable. They carry 20 kilos on their heads or on their shoulders and they literally move all of this cargo to support tourists to be able to have a comfortable and safe trip up and down the mountain. So I'm going to be a porter for a week. And um, there are two parts to it. One, one part of the fundraising is, um, is inviting others to come and join me and actually participate. They'll pay an additional fee and the, and, the, and the clip on top, that will go directly to the Kilimanjaro Porters Assistance Project. And then the other one is inviting people from around the world to take part in the Kilimanjaro Porter Challenge, which is um, we're going to set three levels where you carry, where wherever you are in the world, you carry a certain amount of weight on your head or on your shoulders for a certain distance. Um, it costs a small, a nominal fee to register and all proceeds will go to KPAP. So I'm excited to enroll gyms and fitness buffs around the world to put their fitness to the test um, by doing a, a Kilimanjaro Porter Challenge and they can choose their difficulty. But as I said, all proceeds will go to, to KPAP. So um, Not just gyms and you. fitness buffs, mate. You think of masterminds as well. I see these guys' Not eyes lighting up and wanting to do this. <laughs> Nate's done Kokoda, so he knows what he'd be in uh, for. Awesome. What's, what's the weight that you carry? So porters, they max ethically, they max out at 20 kilos. So I think um, 
And again, and I'm going to be generating a video from the last couple of weeks just to demonstrate the kind mm. of superhuman powers of these guys and how they carry it up vertical cliff faces and stuff. Um, but mm. uh, 20, 20 kilos and God, how they do it. I'm, I mean, I'm yet to discover. So I'm going to meet a few porters so they can give me some technique tips because I just look at them and go, you guys are nuts. <laughs> So I just had a vision in mind. My son is 14 and a half kilos and my daughter is about five, six kilos. So on his shoulder. Yeah. Well, I might have her in the carrier on the front. I'll have him on my shoulders on top. And we've got a couple of mountains out the back here. I can do that. Although I don't know how long uh, they'll, they'll want to stay attached to me when we do that, but that's awesome. So that's bloody brilliant. And I want you to share with us and I'm going to share with the group and share worldwide um, about this charity, because it, I think it's such a great concept. There's so many areas of the world that have been hit by the pandemic and just to hear uh, your unique ways that you've come up to, to run these workshops and to create this funding, I think is awesome. But in relative sense to, the guys in this group and how we operate with, you know, running a business. I'm really intrigued by the workshop around diversifying to create um, other income streams. Is this something that you see? So you work a lot with business owners and business leaders and, you know, CEOs of, of large organizations. Uh, is this something that you see as a, is it a recommendation for people in business to look in an expansive way like this or is it a distraction unless we're in in this kind of you know necessary need needy moment like cool. what these guys so are. i think um yeah rob i mean i think it's it, it's all, like my answer to this is it's contextual because it, it's very much dependent on what your business is and, and what the industry is now if there's anything though that that we really encourage business and, and specific and i think what's important is to create context around the kinds of people i support in a business context versus in a personal context so in a business context i'm a leadership development coach and i support people to um develop themselves as coaches and develop their coaching business so i can speak principally to that kind of um industry of which i'm sure the principles here translate into others but um just so i'm not speaking out of tongue um i can speak directly into um, what it what it looks like in the in the coaching industry, for instance, um, and from my perspective inside of that, um, always keeping it simple. Like simple is the most important thing, and having a core having a core offering. Um, and what I mean by that is, if you look at mountains and marathons, for instance, we have a six month. Oh, hang on, we've lost him. Transformational leadership development, um, and we. we oh, sorry, I think I just had a call come through my internet's pretty dicey if um, a call comes through can you hear me okay gotcha yep so you got yep, the, the main program the core program no, so yes yeah, so we've got the main program you know we've run this we've, we've we've it's kind of become our bread and butter it's we've run this 10 times uh progressively over the last three years price point has been increasing but we do that really really well and it's what we're becoming known for as a company now that we've got that anchored down as the core offer it is now giving us the space and permission to start to play in other fields what I often see, and what I, sorry, by other fields, I mean make additional offers. For instance, we're starting to build out our graduate programs where we're going to be um, you know, running three-month coaching pro group coaching programs where people then come together and graduate by climbing Machu Picchu or running a marathon in Iceland or doing the Kokoda. 
Um, you know, we've got these different ideas for graduate programs, but that's only possible because we've nailed our core offer. Similar to that, we're also hosting our first ever graduation, um, our first ever reunion, where we're inviting all graduates of the Align Leadership Program to come back together to meet in the Bahamas to run the Bahamas Marathon over a five-day retreat with a real intention of fostering community, regenerating their connection to the essence of mountains and marathons, and then also speaking about what the future looks like. Um, but the, like the key piece here is until we've nailed these first one to two offers and got them rolling like bread and butter, I see so many coaches doing so many different launches, like launching one program, another program, another program, and they don't actually have an opportunity to actually ground in and nail what that initial offering is and work out what the price point is, how to really serve the market that they're looking to serve, and therefore they kind of flounder. Whereas my guidance is always, let's get one to two products really, really solid. Once they're solid, then we can start to explore what expanding the offerings can look like. Which is brilliant and makes a lot of sense in that regard. How then the, the people of Kilimanjaro and these porters are very far removed from that world. So they are a very physical job. And thinking of physiotherapists, um, construction or veterinary that have might have been impacted by uh, the pandemic in different kind of ways. And then relating that back to, so if they've got their core offer of what they have as these guys as their their main business and revenue has dropped because of these impacts what's your thoughts around expansion from that core offer in those kind of regards so, um i mean i think it it's gonna it's very much dependent on what what are the resources that are available? Like um i look at something like uh, who who's the veterinarian is that you uh Nate? Yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. There you are at the farm. I see it. Um, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm like, and like one of the things that I've been doing for the last two years is I've had a, a, an online physiotherapist. They've been diagnosing me through the, like through zoom. And I'm like, I know vet, the, the, the industry of um, veterinary practice is very much a face to face in person, hands-on experience. And yet, uh, I'd be like, I'd be fascinated and I'd be curious to hear all of your perspectives on how technology um, and this particular modality of, um, of communication and, and serving people is able to translate into industries that have historically been just face-to-face and just hands-on. You know, is it possible to do an initial diagnosis online and then determine whether you need to get face-to-face thereafter um, or, um, yeah, or, or is that not possible? So, I mean... That would certainly be a big question for me is, yeah, is looking at how do you leverage the resources inside the current circumstances that enable work to continue to thrive and, I mean, um, or not just survive, but also thrive. And I'm sure there's been plenty of um, stories of businesses going under, yet I've also heard of some remarkable pivots that companies have made to, um, you know, make the most of what the times have to offer. And some companies have fucking 10x. We've seen it all around the world. I love that too. And just picking up on language there, you said how, and then followed it up by enable. How can we enable? So we talk to the guys uh, about shifting our why questions. You know, why has this happened? Why me? Why does, you know, why, why did the government make these decisions? Shifting that mindset into how can we capitalize on this? How can we enable another revenue stream from this? And what I'm hearing you say, so 
Craig is a physio, so there's an opportunity there, and that's brilliant. Um, and I've actually heard of lots of people um, doing that that service, taking that online. So that's just one example. I can imagine Nath's clients who own horses that are very, very intuitive with horses and can have a Zoom session to an iPad and you know assess different things in that way, and then be able to prescribe certain medication that they might be able to get from their vet. And you know, there's it's definitely very expansive. So I love that just bringing that perspective into into that regard same with um the building industry and thinking of adrian and the the technology now where people can walk through their home with a with a phone and uh and do you know say this is this is what we want you know you can do assessments from not needing to even leave your your office there adrian and, and get a pretty good read on all of that actually as i say that too i know that nath has developed an, an app called simply click which which enables that too so Really cool to hear a lot of it is around mindset. And that's obviously what you're bringing into that charity piece when you run those workshops is not just telling the guys do this because you can probably see what would work. But going back to that saying, you know, give a man a fish, you'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, you'll eat for a lifetime. So you enable the, the, these porters to develop the mindset themselves and be creative themselves and you support them through that. Yeah, bingo. And I think it's just important for me to clarify. So I'm not running the workshops, but I'm empowering the workshops to expand and scale. Because I think, especially if we look at developing countries, one of the most important things is that, you know, in um, in Tanzania, white man is Mzungu. <laughs> and it's just important that Mzungus don't come in and think they know all the answers to fix local challenges, but it's actually working with local people to determine what are the local challenges, how do you think we should fix them, and then be able to be a source of empowerment to actually generate the, the becoming of those solutions. And that's kind of where I really see myself fitting in. I'm a big believer in the education that's going to be rolling out, and I want to be an enabler to scale those workshops as I think that's what's going to make a really profound difference over here um, in the short term and in the bigger picture. I love that. And Adrian, that just reminds me of what you and I have been talking about through the voice messages just recently about you wanting to do more in the community and from a leadership perspective and then connecting with the organizations that already exist that can help you leverage all of that. So that's very much in alignment with that. That's awesome. Little, so remember guys, you feel free to jump in anywhere you want to. Uh, my next uh, question is around, so you work with, you know, business leaders and, and business owners uh, all these guys are leaders in their own businesses and self-leadership is what you teach these guys over that six month period of mountains and marathons. What are the, what are the most common and the greatest challenges that business owners and business leaders sort of come with? And then how are you approaching that through your program? So not just the, obviously the accumulation and the analogy of the mountain and the marathon is kind of like the icing on the top, but I know the program that you run over that six months is it's a lot of in here and not just the physical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. So I think um, just, just for broadening the context, so you guys all understand generally who we work with are people that have been very successful in a business context, um, uh, be that as an entrepreneur or an executive. And they're at a stage of life where they're generally in one of two places. One is they are, um, at the peak of their game and they're looking to take that to the next level whilst improving the quality of their life in all other life areas. So we call that coming into, we call that coming into alignment, which is looking at all life areas and the determining what is in and out of alignment. And then the program helps guide all of these life areas to come into congruency. 
And the second category are those that have been very successful in the business sense and are now in a conversational thinking about what's their legacy, what's next, how are they going to translate what they've acquired and accumulated over the years and the skills and gifts they've developed to be able to benefit the community more. And so we find that the two categories of people that we have fall into those, bu into those buckets. Now, inside of that, um, one of the key things and reasons why we design the program the way that we do, which is also the power of this specific group being a mastermind and a group-oriented conversation, is that we start to, the, it's the power of the collective. And it's where, yeah, sure, Jen and I can work individually with each of these people, but it's when we actually dive into a conversation where everyone is engaged with the same content or sharing about what their personal challenges are, that's when the magic really starts to happen because often, and we call it the loneliness of leadership, which is generally when we can be a high performer, there can be this experience that we're in it alone or that we're going at it, um, that we're going at it alone. And, you know, I even remember having had a conversation with one of our clients yesterday who's, um, it, was a, it was one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever been in, which was he's about to uh, sell, I think, 40% of his company in the US and he's going to receive such a large sum of money that he will never have, he would never have to work another day in his life, nor would his kids, nor would his grandkids. <laughs> and um, he's, and so he's inside this conundrum, <laughs> like he's like, Jamin, I never thought I'd say this, but this is a burden because <laughs> he's really starting to look at like, what does leadership look like inside this kind of responsibility? And what he was saying, he's like, Jamin, I've got no space with the exception of you. I've got no space to actually talk about what's really going on for me <laughs> because I'm always the leader that has to hold it together all the time. And there's no space for me to feel anything but either good or frustrated and irritated. But any emotion that's like deeper than that or dense than that, embarrassment, shame, guilt, you know, all of this heaviest stuff, um, he's like, I just don't have anyone who can hold that except for you. And what I'm looking at inside his circumstances, man, he needs to get himself around other people that are going through what he's dealing with right now so he can be inside a conversation of shared of a collective experience to then be able to normalize his experience and then also have any struggles that he's facing actually validated which is obviously what i do in an individual context but i'm a massive believer of bringing like-minded like-hearted people together being able to speak openly about what's real and what's going on so it normalizes the experience it dissipates and takes away the power um, of whatever that challenge is and therefore creates you know i think you've got your little shaky thing there it helps take it helps move um it helps it helps remove a clustered mind to discern clarity to then be able to make decisions with conviction so i think it's a long-winded way of saying um two two group two groups that we serve one is um one is those who are who are at the peak of the game. The others have kind of like even beyond that and looking for uh, the legacy piece. And a big part of what we do is build community so that people can speak openly and honestly about what's going on where they're at and then leverage the power of the collective both for their own healing and for their own personal expansion. When I hear you say that, I'll just get a nod of the head or feel free to jump in and say anything, guys. But does anyone kind of resonate with that? You know, it's lonely at the top type feel. Yeah, hands raised. Probably okay if I just like shoot a few questions. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, so um, the the language that I use, Adrian, is called clearing. Is is to be clear, and what I, and clear is not just a cognitive thing; it's an emotional thing. And one of the most important things as leaders 
is that we are responsible for being clear here and in here. Because when we're not clear, we have the um, we, what we risk is then um, having whatever whatever confusion or tension we're feeling um, spew onto other people, be that colleagues or in your in the specific context you gave onto your wife. And if they're not, if, if these people aren't, if if there's not an agreement or a skill set in the other people that that they are a safe space for you to clear, and they can't hold it. Then you're gonna have then you're gonna have tension, and they're gonna resist it. Which again, which is where like the nature of my one to one coaching with the you know for instance the gentleman that I was speaking about yesterday, he leverages the space because he knows that I can hold, whatever's going on for him. He knows that I can hold it. He can spew it. <laughs> I can hold it and dissipate it. So then it takes away the power. So then he can get he can then get clear, and then we can speak directly into what's going to make a difference for him. And so. The reason I just created that then was just to create the distinction of being clear. And so what I'm curious about for you is what is your system? What is the system that you have in place to support you in getting clear so it doesn't, things don't spew over onto those that you love that don't, haven't necessarily got the skill set to hold um, what it is that you're navigating? So I think like the systems that I'm like where I really feel clear, you know, is like if I'm my morning practice of meditating, I go into my breathing and then I can do my movement. And like sometimes that it, it doesn't always happen, you know, it's like I've got to jump in the car at 5.30, whatever. But like when, when it is, it's that's where the clarity is. And then especially like from there, then going through like my affirmations, and my values, my philosophy. And I've actually like on this week, I've actually just made my own little personal podcast. It's pretty poor, <laughs> uh, but it's like, like, I don't need to have my diary here because I can just play it in the car. So I'm sort of like getting a lot. And even though it's not like getting it out, but it's just like reaffirming like, okay, like this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. And this is where I see myself going. And um. I do get a lot of clarity in, in that space. Yeah. Awesome. Re really good. Really good. These are great practices, great solo practices. Okay. Where I see, where I see capacity for your um, expansion in, um, in cultivating your ability to be clear is actually really looking at, and perhaps you've already got this and you just haven't spoken into it yet. So forgive me if I'm sort of jumping into something that's already there is, um, I call it your inner circle is cultivating your inner circle. Now, specifically what I'd be suggesting is it's a group of men. And I think this is a really good spot for it um, because you've got a bunch of blokes that you're building a high level of trust and relationship with, but it's actually being able to have a space where you can speak candidly and openly about what's really going on for you. Now, in this, call, call it therapy, call it coaching, call it what you want, but there is immense power in bringing language to the struggle. Because when we bring language to the struggle, and if we specifically look at the relation, if we specifically look at the emotion of shame, okay, all of us hold shame to a certain degree. And shame is like that thing that shows up inside of us when um, we inherently feel like we're wrong, bad, or, or not good enough. And we've all got it. <laughs> and that stems from our childhood. But shame hates to have language wrapped around it. It hates to have language wrapped around it. And so when we bring language to what we're, what we're dealing with, it suddenly takes the power away. And, and the, the most important thing, however, 
is that it's communicated with someone else who can get it and who can hold it. And that's where, again, like a group like this is really powerful because I'm telling you, Adrian, like whatever you're dealing with, with like wife stuff at home, I guarantee there's someone else on the call that's either dealt with that before or dealing with it right now. And so suddenly you're speaking it into a space that gets it. it it's validated and normalized inside you. And then the tension, um, it, uh, some of the tension is removed. And then you might even be introduced to a tool or a strategy from one of the other guys to then be able to support you as you navigate um, you know, being more present, being more present, less stressed at home. So you're able to continue to foster the beautiful relationship with your wife that you're inspired to have. Um, I've just spoken a lot, but I'm just curious about what, yeah, what, what's landing here and with what's resonating and whether you have any questions. Perfect, man. You nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. But so instead, so you did vent. You just vented to your wife. You just hit up yeah. the wrong, you just hit up the wrong person. <laughs> okay yeah because here's because here's the thing because she's so emotionally invested in your world and like anything that you might communicate that kind of like threatens some foundation of security in her that's going to trigger something in her and now all of a sudden no one's the space holder <laughs> and you've just got you know you've got two 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 kind of ungrounded converse you got two people in an ungrounded conversation whereas to be able to leverage you know one of the men here in this group or um the collective or whatever it is and to be able to say guys I just want to download i call it a download like your event or a download just want to download what's been going on here's everything i'm holding right now and then we go fuck man got it <laughs> that's a lot yeah you're holding a lot right now fair enough cool you're doing your practices Right, you're doing like you're you're exercising, you're you're doing your affirmations. Man, it sounds like you need to get out in nature. Like, you know, you're then able to bounce off one another because we care and love for you, but aren't necessarily in the same house as you and having a feel and like there's a there's a sense of separation, which then gives you both the safety of this container that it can hold it and dissipate, whilst you're able to then obviously be more present and not have to um, bring that kind of tension into the household. And then obviously, yeah, just be able to really, as I said before, bring that real presence and intentionality into the relationship so she doesn't need to be stressed about stuff that doesn't, that ultimately concerns her, but she can't do anything about. <laughs> totally, man. And so you're not feeling, so you're not feeling heard, seen and understood because she's kind of got no idea what you're really dealing with and talking about, but you're hoping, you're hoping that she does, but she just, she just doesn't. And so it's kind of, um, you know, pushing shit up a hill a little bit in that regard. Whereas being able to, again, like communicate what's real and alive for you with a bunch of guys who get business and understand the kind of stresses and things that you, that you deal with. And also like being able to communicate with men, like men who kind of get it. <laughs> um, there is like, there is a difference there. Um, I think I'd be really curious to see what opens up for you. If you lean more into the courage and vulnerability of um, leveraging space, like safe space with men to just share what's real and alive for you, get it off the chest, power will dissipate. And um, again, it'll take away the, it'll take away the murky jar um, and then support you, as I said, to be just more present in all areas of your life and then naturally not have to be taking that back to your wife. Awesome. Well said, Jamin. And I'll just let you know that, that uh, the, the, the Adrian that we chat to right now is because he's, done those processes like um so he, the fact that he's speaking out about what he's speaking out about is uh i see it as a one percent now which is awesome whereas at the beginning of the year it was quite effective 
and then the beginning of the breakthrough program in April and for Lee to ask the question too, like, you know, you guys in this group have seen growth within each other. So everything there that Jamin was talking about, I'm sure you can hear some similar language of the clearing. So we did the module on crystal clear communication and one of the tasks that the guys had to do was hold space for each other and mm. and also then do it with someone in their life and it wasn't allowed to be a mate it had to be someone that it was challenging they had to hold space and then um sorry and ask someone to hold space for them to be able to crystally clear communicate so everything that you're saying there should be ringing very true to these guys in in knowing that it's powerful not just in relationship wise where this is but this started talking about leadership and you know leadership begins with self-leadership which filtrates into leader of a business uh, or leader of an organization. So that's all beautiful, um, you know, mingling in there. A couple of things that I wrote was around the the shame hates to have language wrapped around it. So that clearing and that um, verbalizing and getting out of our head diminishes that shame, which prevents blame, which prevents other kind of conflicts as well. So that was really well said mate thank you for sharing all of that i'm sure i saw a few head nods there and i'm sure we can all all relate to that in different aspects cool Brilliant. thanks mate and i think you know the um just the like when we look at shame like shame is often one of these emotions that we struggle to distinguish in our body and as men often the mask the, the most masking emotion um of anything denser than is uh, frustration irritation anger like often when we experience any of that um, and any of that kind of fiery, like reactive sort of energy, it's um, it's pretty much always an emotion that's masking something denser. Um, for instance, that could be embarrassment, that could be disappointment, that could be guilt, and it's often shame. And so uh, one of the key things that I coach people on, and particularly men, is when we're feeling angry, taking a breath and actually feeling what's beneath that. Because when we get what's beneath that, that's when we get to what's real. And it means, because often in anger, we're looking to point and project and blame whatever we're experiencing on somebody else. But it's generally um, something else that's um, a denser emotion that is uncomfortable that we'd rather not be feeling that's actually there to be navigated with and, um, and engaged with. And the more as men we're able to do that, the more responsibility we can take for our emotional body, the more emotional regulation we can cultivate, and therefore the more powerful we can be in stressful situations or when other people are doing stuff that would historically piss us off, we're able to have more presence of mind and then be able to navigate these challenges with more grace. It, so well said and diffusing the situation. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up I'm just going to bring it up, but you've already answered it, is the importance of, from your experience, emotional intelligence with leaders. And so everything that we just spoke about there just covers it. It covers self-leadership. It covers leader of a business or an organization. It covers parenting, relationships, everything. That's beautifully said. And I saw a few more head nods. Um, and Lee, I saw you go back in your chair there, mate, and like a really good... Yep, it's it's got me. Something resonated with you there. I saw it move in your body. So that's um, beautifully presented there, Jamin. Thanks for, for sharing that. What was that, Lee? So great. <laughs> so great. Awesome. And I think, you know, I think one of the key distinctions within a circle is like, you know, obviously the work of Brené Brown has expanded the theme of vulnerability as a, um, as a, as a, way of leadership uh, mm -hmm. over the recent over the recent years and i think her work is remarkable one of the things that she makes very distinct is doing vulnerable doing vulnerability versus being vulnerable 
And mm-hmm. doing, doing vulnerability is like sharing a story. For instance, um, you know, the story that I shared earlier about me separating with Jen and going through our conscious uncoupling and me being in a scarcity mindset, I'm giving a lot of myself in that story, but I am so resolved with it internally here that it's a story that gives you an, a, a, an entry point into something vulnerable in my life that is no longer vulnerable for me. That's doing vulnerability that gives you an under, a deeper understanding and connection with me. Being vulnerable, on the other hand, is when you're literally inside of the uncertainty. I don't know. I don't have it together over here. I don't have the answers. And when we're the, the inner circle of the community, the small community of people that have earned the right to hold you inside being vulnerable. And that that's a community of people that you need to be very, very discerning with. Um, and like, you know, from my perspective, like I'm damn near interviewing, <laughs> like whether someone has earned the right to be inside an inner circle conversation to hold me in my vulnerability when I don't have it together. Um, and so I hear that, yeah, you're, you're really beautifully on this journey of navigating, understanding. Yep. I'm able to share more about myself openly now. That's all the stuff that's doing vulnerability, beautiful, complete with that. And then there's really discerning who's this community of people, this small community where I can like fucking share what's real. <laughs> you know, I can actually give some, uh, share about this denser emotion that I'm experiencing and, and, and some of the challenges that I'm facing. That was very good. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks again for sharing that, Lee. And Jamin, just so you're aware, that health issue, I'm sure Lee doesn't mind me saying it, but it wasn't just a little health issue. It did manifest in, in cancer that uh, <laughs> allowed Lee to explore some different areas and ask some more questions and approach that in a very um, very holistic kind of way and to, to beat it and overcome it. So the journey that he's on has um, come from a, a pretty good shakeup. So it's, <laughs> it's awesome to see that connection with you there now, Lee, that might not have been there a few years ago to hearing it talk about emotionally with shame and anger and frustration and things like that, to be able to connect it again. And I've heard you connect it over this period of this year as well. So brilliant. What does it mean to lead your family well? Okay. And so how is that different now, now that you're a grandfather from when you weren't a grandfather? Okay. And so your experience is that the pressure has increased. Define the pressure. Like what, what's the pressure? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think it does. I mean, this, I'm, I'm, I'm really like getting you in this sense of like as a leader of your family and as a leader of business, there is this sense of like, it's always eyes on you. And there's a sense of like, I've always got to have it together and know what to do. And that there are parts of you that also have self-doubt, question whether you're doing the right thing, um, have insecurities and fears about about the future and whether it is all going to work out. And um, that that experience that you have isn't something that you can necessarily um, haven't, haven't been able to feel comfortable speaking openly about with those who you lead and who look up to you. Now, before I go any further, I also make sure that's accurate. Does that, does that capture part of your experience? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, perfect. So then two parts here. One is, and you spoke into it, build the inner circle. Build, build the inner circle. Have that inner sanctum where you're able to speak openly about these uncertainties, insecurities, fears, doubts, and concerns that you have so that that 
can be normalized. Like normalized is a big part of it, right? Because all human beings experience these same emotions that you're experiencing, just the context differs. But being able to communicate that inside a container, inside a space or a conversation where the other person can empathize and get it, but also not be someone who can, um, who's going to be personally, emotionally impacted by it. That is, a, it's a, again, so it's a really, really important and powerful thing to cultivate. Um, the, second, the second part is, I'd be, I'd be fascinated because it lands to me like you're putting an enormous amount of pressure on yourself as the king, as like the king of the family and that, you know, you're the ruler that has to always hold it all together. And I'm curious, I'm curious to know um, whether elevating leadership and responsibility in others inside your family is something that you've considered and if so, what that's looked like and if not, um, what what the initial foundations of a thought could be inside of that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I hear you in that. Thanks for reflecting that too. I mean, I'm getting more of an insight into the way in which you engage as a leader and, and your philosophies on leadership too. And you know, I think just coming back to it, the, the key piece here is going to be that the cultivate and cultivation of that inner circle and having your yeah. experience and having your experience normalized to dissipate the, well, really to dissipate the pressure. It's kind of like taking a little bit of the, the lid off the jar a little bit, just so you don't feel like you're carrying the weight of the world or the weight of your entire family solo all the time, but that experience can actually be normalized and have the weight dispersed a little bit. Um, you know, cause I think in, again, um, you know, Rob was sharing, you know, you're, you're a coach yourself, you're a leadership coach. And my assumption is a lot of part of what you do is the one-on-one, the one-on-one communication. Again, like for me personally, the responsibility for me to be clear emotionally and cognitively to show up in my fullness, to serve someone and meet someone in exactly where they're at, huge responsibility on me, but I'm not going to give them any of my shit. <laughs> I've got my inner circle. I've got my inner circle to dissipate and support me to being fully clear so that whoever I'm in service to and is relying on me knows that I'm going to be showing up in my fullness because I've taken care of my back-end emotional admin <laughs> so that I'm I'm here and in full service to, again, being on this call. <laughs> um, I don't, I'm not bringing my shit to the call. I'm clear. So I've got whatever's there um, ready to roll. On, on that, can I ask you one question, Nath? Yep. So you talked about the expectations of, you know, the unspoken expectations and um, Jamin brought up and you admitted, yes, there's the fears, the insecurities, the doubts, the concerns, which is all valid. And thank you again for sharing that. My one question is, who is Nath without the fears, the doubts, the worries, the uncertainties and without the expectations? Let me just say, you're not heading there. You're already there. So you are that version. You are that limitless version. It's just that language that is in your mind. And I think that's a lot of what we've, we've uncovered here and what uh, Jamin was saying. It's that clearing aspect. You do it already. You show up as that version with, with it cleared. And because you're human, sometimes it shows up more. It's a bit thicker with the, uh, the nudge of the, the from the universe that we often talk about with the stick and and you know the the challenges that present themselves. So that question was just as a reminder that you are already that version, you are already there, and yeah. you have the skills and the tools and the strategies to to show up without those. And there's no right or wrong, like you said, and it's a part of the process with those fears, doubts, uncertainties, and concerns. That's who we are by experiencing those, but it's shifting and then not acting from those. 
and that's what you know how to do and that's who you do show up as just as a reminder that's brilliant thanks robert that's awesome mate cool thanks mate jamie do you have anything to add to that just before we do adrian what did you get from what nathan just shared <laughs> nice. Um, uh, love him. <laughs> who's, who's, who's dropped in? Yeah, oh, we've Craig, just seen Craig's, Craig's dog. Craig's dog. <laughs> um, <clears throat> nice. Um, Adrian, cool. Um, I totally agree with everything Nathan just shared. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna inquire from a different angle um, and from a different um, vantage point, which is, I mean, it sounds to me like your general experience is that you're really busy. Like, is that capture it productive <laughs> yeah interesting like would be, would you relate to yourself as busy or productive cool thanks for sharing man um also i'll just quick share a quick story about um something that took place for me five years ago um so all through my 20s i was a hectic hectic entrepreneur um, building leadership development companies, focusing on supporting young leaders, uh, young teen- teenagers, and um, young professionals. And at one point, my mid twenties, I was running three independent leadership development organisations. And the reality was, uh, I was working sixteen-hour days, six days a week. And in isolation, each of these projects that I was working on, I was deeply passionate about. And when I felt into it in isolation, it felt very expansive. But when I started to engage with all of them concurrently, uh, I felt like collectively they were all receiving about 30% each <laughs> um, and nothing was thriving the way in which it could have if, if it had 100% of my attention. Now, at that stage as a businessman, I wasn't mature enough to be able to develop the kinds of leadership and systems to have everything run at 100% full cylinders. I just wasn't there yet. And so instead, I was trying to do all of it And ultimately what was happening was I was burning the candle at both ends and I was burning the hell out. And until mid-2016, 19th July specifically, uh, head in my hands, balling my eyes out, massive breakdown, spiritual awakening, as Brené Brown would say, um, where I was just like, I don't want to be here. Like everything I'm doing right now, I don't want to do this anymore. And in that moment, I had the epiphany and recognised I am the creator of all of this. All of my suffering, I'm the creator of. (laughs) And therefore, if I'm the creator of all of this, I can create my way out of it. Okay, if I could be doing anything in the world right now, what would I be doing? And then I was like, I'd be running marathons and climbing mountains, transforming my life and helping other people do the same. And then that became the foundational vision for the becoming of mountains and marathons, which is what I've been doing for the last three years. Now, that's an entirely different story. But the point being is... I was so hectic and so busy not focusing on, I was so misaligned. I was not focusing on the things that were most important. And that's what Nathan's speaking into. He's speaking into like, what are the most important things? What is the priorities? Now, the piece that I want to add to that coming at it from a different vantage point is the question of what is your zone of genius? Okay, what is your zone of genius? And this is a question I certainly invite everyone to consider which is zone of genius is distinct from zone of excellence. Zone of excellence, the things that you know that you can do really, really well, very simply, but they don't, but, it, but it's not actually the place that's bringing your magic to the world, 
right? It's kind of like Jen, my business partner. She's amazing at financial management and data entry and all of these like technical nuanced detail oriented skills, but where her zone of genius is, is in coaching. And so naturally, sure, inside the business, Jen could spend all of her time doing all the details oriented stuff, but where she's at her best is in coaching. You know, similarly for me, I'm at my best in sales and enrollment conversations and coaching. And so we've kind of worked out our seat on the bus. Um, and so perhaps before I go any further, I just, I'd be curious, because it sounds to me like you navigate a lot of territory in your business. Like there's a lot of things that you do. I'm curious to hear, like when you feel into what it is that is your zone of genius, which is the bit that feels exciting and feels like where when you're doing it time flies by in a way that you don't even recognize what is what are the points of zone of genius for you inside your business okay awesome i can feel it man i'm sure like can you guys feel the passion that he has for that (laughs) that is palpable right now and man honestly like if i was if i was if i was coaching you as a business coaching conversation i'd be looking at how the fuck do we accelerate your time and energy is spent more in that department of your business. I'd be like doubling that down. And the reason being is that you could be doing 12 hour days, but if you're doing 12 hour days on that, <laughs> you're going to come home more energized and more enthused than, than, than you were when you showed up at work earlier in the day versus the kinds of, I'll call it the nonsense, <laughs> the busyness that you're dealing with on the constant, which is what's getting, you know, having you come home feeling so stressed and, um, you know, and, and, and um, you know, dealing with the pressure of all the things. Now, before I go any further, is this resonate? Yeah, big talk. <laughs> okay, cool. I see it's resonating for you too, Craig. I, I want to hear from you in a moment. Um, but um, my question for you then, Adrian, is like, I mean, sure, it might not be able to happen overnight, but that would be a really genuine inquiry to be inside of is like, how do you design as the creator? You're the entrepreneur here. You're the, there are like, we, as entrepreneurs, we can often fall into this block of like, I have to's and obligations and this choicelessness way of operating. But you are the creator here. You built this thing. <laughs> and so inside of that, my question for you would be, how can you create the job description <laughs> of your dreams inside your own business? Because when you come from that place, you're going to be more inspired. If you're more inspired, other people around you are going to be more inspired. And then you can also be listening and looking for where are others able to level up in their zone of genius? Where can they be spending more time doing the parts that they love? Because I'm telling you, man, you get a a team of people, a small team of people who are all operating in their zone of genius. The sense of um, cultural possibility and, and, and the vision for the business, it can just 10x because all of a sudden everyone's showing up like inside that, inside an internally cultivated energy versus, uh, you know, versus an external motivation or, you know, just um, punching the time clock and looking for the paycheck. Um, like this is the heart. Like we need people all around the world playing from their zone of genius. Uh, and you, you're, you're good because you've already distinguished it. Now we just need to create the pragmatic frameworks to bring it to life. And part, I think a great part of leadership is being able to help other people discern what's their zone of genius. Okay. How do we get you in that seat of the bus? The zone of genius aspect is a really good way for us to remember about, you know, people look at time management skills and this work-life balance and everything. But if you focus on this perspective of that, it allows us to bring all of that into play. 
in in much more of an enjoyable way too and like we we worked on guys like why do we do what we do do we do it for the stress and the lower eq or in the lower iq and less quality time with our family and less time doing the hobbies that we love is that why we do what we do if the answer is no which it is for all of us then what can we do to shift that and how can we um, change our focus and this is a really good um, reminder of all of that to anchor into that so that's brilliant Guys, I'm very mindful of time and I'm not going to go over time because Jamin has given his time and I can hear the roosters in the background, which means that there's going to be some action with the egg deliveries soon. So, <laughs> noise, guys. I mean, construction put on there, roosters out the side. <laughs> now, we've only heard the roosters a little bit, so oh, that's yeah. good. And Adrian was telling, uh, sorry, um, Jamin was talking to me off air, guys, before you guys joined us that uh, he's got, he, you know, talking about employment, looking after the locals, he's got the... Uh, some ladies working for him and doing meal preps and um, you know cleaning services and doing different things like that and really helping him design his life in that way so he's giving back to the community and created jobs for these people that haven't had work and allowing him to focus on his zone of genius literally like we're, what we've been talking about to the point where they couldn't buy him tahini they didn't have tahini in the shops and they offered to Jamin well we can buy the um the the nuts we can roast them we can grind them down we can create the tahini that's the level they're willing to go to 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 put that back in but adrian uh did have some other questions and what i might do cuz jamin had those questions and uh, a lot of it was around you know, leading the young guys and moving through a transition into a, in a rite of passage. So what I might do just being mindful of time is uh, ask if Jamin maybe could just send a, a five minute voice message, you know, kind of addressing those at a different time when suits, if that's all right with you, Adrian, uh, obviously you guys can see that Jamin's, Jamin's way of connecting and delivering value isn't just giving. It's also asking really empowering questions, which we've learned a lot about. So Jamin, I know that if we had Adrian in the hot seat for all of these questions, that you would be asking really good questions to, to get that through. But there will also be a lot of value in you answering them uh, in that way. And then for Adrian and I to, to explore that and build on that, because I feel like there was, there was a lot of value, correct me if I'm wrong, Adrian, but I feel like you got a lot of value in, in the hot seat in a different way throughout tonight. 100%, you know, and um, yeah, so was and, and in it was sort of like happened a little bit sort of you know organic but it's probably realistically what i really needed as well and, always you know, is yeah yeah well well uh well observed good awareness there mate so jamin to to wrap things up is there anything else that you would like to say you've, you've got a good feel for the group uh you have a lot of experience and expertise in living these philosophies uh, in hitting rock bottom with your hands, your head in your hands and, and crying and, and then seeing your vision and working through that uh, and also working with other leaders and business owners at different levels. Is there anything like really um, clear that you would like to communicate with us to, to leave us with? Before, yeah, before I do, Robert, I want to hear from Nathan down the bottom. Um, I'm just curious what's, uh, <laughs> what's landing for you in today's conversation, mate. Perfect, man. Well, I think you've already got the immediate, you've already got the right tool. Okay. It's like A, the recognizing and when you're in the monkey mind and when you're, when you're in your body and in your intuitive place and space. Um, I mean, for me, if we look at that specific moment in time, um, I was so surrendered out of my cerebral that I was just like, I was just like, all right, fucking, if I had none of these businesses, like if I had zero responsibility here, what would I actually be doing? 
and then just entertain that yeah. possibility and then just listen for what showed up in that space. No surprise, adventurous spirit, committed to exploring and seeing the world and deepening my experience inside of it, wanting to grow myself personally, support others to do the same. It's only natural that that's kind of what came through. Now, is it exactly what I articulated five years ago, the what I'm doing now? No, but the essence is the same. Okay. And yeah. so inside this, man, I mean, one of the big things that we do inside Mountains and Marathons is the process of clarity, clearing, creation, clarity, who am I inspired to be? What difference am I inspired to what make in the world? Um, uh, uh, who, yeah, who do I want to be? Clearing, what's all the shit that's in the way of me bringing that reality to life? Creation, getting off, taking the pragmatic aligned actions to materialize and bring that existence to life. Clarity, clearing, creation. And so inside this question, we're talking about clarity here. And so the invitation here is to really give yourself some space, man, and ask yourself some big, beautiful questions. Okay. If I could have it my way, how would I love for my financial life to be? How would I love for my business to be? How would I love for my romantic relationship to be? My social life, my inner circle, my emotional well-being, my intellectual well-being. You know, just like considering all of these different life areas and going, what would ideal actually look like? <laughs> and then notice yourself going cerebral <laughs> and go, oh, how's that going to happen? What am I going to do to make that happen? That's not relevant just yet. First of all, you just need to get connected to the possibility. Get connected to the possibility of what your life could actually be like. Exactly. And then from there, from our, in Mountains and Marathons, we're all about clearing. Okay, let's remove the shit that's in the way, limiting beliefs, past traumas, um, disempowering relationships. Let's remove the stuff that's in the way of the becoming of this possibility that you've created for yourself. And then step three, creation. All right, let's start taking pragmatic actions to be moving forwards towards that. And then it becomes less about what it actually looks like and more about who we're being moment by moment that's congruent with the life that we're inspired to create for ourselves. But start with clarity. Great. Thank you. I love that process. That's good. Nice. And so in answer to your question, Robert, I think um, I'm feeling really content with that final piece. Yeah, just absolutely. Because I'm, I'm a big believer, big believer in clarity, clearing, creation, and then, you know, honing in on the possibility that we want for our life and then um, doing the work necessary to materialize that. Good wrap up. Jamin, you're a legend. You ooze abundance. You ooze your clarity. You ooze conviction. Uh, you're, you're a living, breathing example of everything that you you do teach and believe in. And I'm going to finish the same way I started it and say, I'm abundantly grateful for your presence, not just your time, obviously time, but also your full presence and commitment tonight. And I know that the guy's got a lot of value out of it and we've kind of just scratched the surface and this will be a massive reflection point all the way through this mastermind. So thank you again yeah. for your, your genuine presence today. You're welcome, man. Guys, I fucking loved it. You guys are legends. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Grateful for the way you showed up, Jamie. Really grateful. Thanks, Thank Lee. you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie. Legend. You're welcome, guys. Awesome. Boom. There you go. What a genuine, aligned, impactful, and inspirational legend. I trust you've taken a lot of value from this one. You can follow Jamin online and keep up with his adventures on Facebook by searching Jamin Heppel. And you can also follow Mountains and Marathons. So their website is mountainsandmarathons.world or search on Facebook for Mountains and Marathons. 
And if you're a male business owner or leader, or you know any male business owners or leaders who are keen to be high-performing and healthy and smash your health, wealth, and relationship goals without the stress and burnout, you can find out more about my coaching at brettrobbo.com or email me directly if you'd like to jump on a call and we can discuss how we can tailor something specifically for you. Info at brettrobbo.com. Keep thriving, legends, and as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.